0: Welcome to the How to Raise Money podcast for anyone who wants to raise other people's money for a business or property venture. Right now, there has never been more money on the planet and there has never been more opportunity.
1: This podcast will help you put the two together. So if you need money for your business or property proposals from banks, lenders, angels, whales or dragons, this is the podcast for you. Hi,
0: everyone. Welcome to another episode of the How to Raise Money podcast with me, Ray McLennan.
1: And it's with me, Nigel T. Best. Um, Raymondo, how the devil are you? Are you are you Prime Minister this week? Is it your uh, turn or is no, it mine? I think
0: uh, that's an,
1: that, that might be in the
0: next couple of weeks, I think. Well, depending on how well this podcast goes, see if we can get the, <laughs> the votes up amongst the <laughs> amongst the party, party members. Uh, I think you've got, to,
1: you've got to be a member of the party first. That's the other thing well true i'm always reminded it it's a bit like um this sort of thing where you feel anyone could have a cha- chance of being <laughs> prime minister i remember a friend of mine he went to a a charity uh dinner sort of thing and and they had a uh, one of those auctions at the end and the it was uh tickets to leeds united It's in leeds so you know you're in with a good shout at doing it yeah yep. anyway um they were struggling to sell it and and they kept there seemed to be some uh, sort of in-house bidding to try and get the value of these tickets up mm. and uh the ticket the ticket price kept going up and up and up and you just he said you just heard this voice from the background and said come on is anyone going to go higher than that and uh, you, this voice said from the background he says you know chuff in hell. for that money i'd want a seat on the bench with a chance of playing in the second half, never mind a ticket in the stand. <laughs> and I feel at the moment we're all on the bench, just ready, ready to become prime minister. And I think uh, if Labour gets in, I think it'll be as equally chaotic. Oh yeah, um, on that side. But yep. anyway, anyway, we Ray, we've finally worked out who it is. It's Boris Truss Sunak. Who who is it uh, today? Uh, Sunak, isn't it? Sunak Rishi today.
0: Yeah, it's Sunak today.
1: Yeah, um, I don't think there's any truth in the rumours that he buys his uh, clothing from the children's department to avoid VAT. I don't think there's any rumour, <laughs> any truth in that rumour at all. Okay. He is, um, you know, not the tallest of men. I'm which is unusual, to... which is unusual when it comes to leaders and people
0: in power. I mean, well, apart from Macron, he's an exactly. kind of exception to the rule.
1: <clears throat> um, yes, I met Macron. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It seems the start of a joke. No, <laughs> no, no. No. Bar. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I actually spoke to him as well. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. eh a eh Um, I did Uh, queuing. For uh going into Westminster Hall to see the uh the Queen line in state as we came over the final bridge into the area just at sort of the end of um the House of Parliament, <clears throat> just as we came over the bridge, we are on the bridge, not really moving um and I was aware of somebody with some people around them mm-hmm. um you know coming walking at quite a pace, and it stood out because everyone else was milling around and not really moving. And uh, I, I looked, and uh, coming towards me was uh, the president. Is it? Is it? He, yeah, he's the president, isn't he? Yeah, president. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, with his uh, wife. And uh, as he came towards me, I looked at him, and I said, uh, bonjour, monsieur. You know, fluent. <laughs> I was fluent. And uh, he turned quite sharply um, because I think he was, you know, surprised. To hear God, did he say so, you're from Yorkshire and yeah, someone so mellifluous and uh fluent in his native tongue and he looked at me and he 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 looked me straight in the eye, nodded and said bonjour monsieur, merci. And uh and just moved on with okay. uh with his wife. And uh his wife nudged him in the ribs and said uh who who was that? And he says Madame, that is Nigel T best. He has the greatest podcaster with his friend Raymondo. Great Raymondo. And, uh, and then they moved out of earshot and had hmm. anything else as as to what they said. But yeah, anyway, I, I saw him. And yes, he's not he's not the biggest chap either. But here's an observation. Here's an observation, and you can read into it uh whatever you want, but when do you remember Helmut Kohl? Yeah. He was Chancellor German, German. German Chancellor. Yep. He was a big chap. He, he was big in every way. Yeah. He was a front row. He yep. was a front row player. The, he, you want him in your team in the front row. He's not on the wing. But when he moved on, if you ever see one of those um, photos of the leaders, a G7, European leaders, world leaders, yep. the one thing that strikes you is they are all slender they Mm -hmm. they look tall they look slender they are finely dressed and all the rest of it yep and i was just thinking that is in no way literally shape or form representative of you know the general public why is that ray why why are they slender lean machines the the leaders i mean you're talking about world leaders but if you look at the health secretaries
0: around the world of most countries <laughs> they seem to be the opposite <laughs> they're very representative of uh, of of Wayne and Waynetta
1: Slob <laughs> well yeah but why why is it why and i've i've got another fact since churchill mm. uh, we have never elected a bald leader a bald leader yeah and apparently apparently voters for whatever reason rarely, rarely vote for anyone male that doesn't have a full head of hair. Really? That's interesting. Yeah, try and find Uh, one. Try and find one. There will be some. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking of, um, was Harold
0: Wilson not a bit bald? Well, um, I don't know. No, no, he wasn't.
1: No, he wasn't. He had a big forehead, forehead, but not bald. Yeah, with my follicle challenges, uh, I'm going to have to take over with a coup. So I I need to get the army on my side. I think you do. <laughs> uh, but hey, you, you're enough, in with enough the shout.
0: waffle. Let's get round <laughs> to, to why people tune in to how to raise money podcast,
1: which is not Well, Ray, I should tell you, I should tell you so I'm I'm beginning to put our back back catalog onto YouTube and Hi. um uh, someone had uh, put a comment on one of them saying I am mesmerized by Ray's hair as the sort of outline of it, oh, yeah. it sort of Jeez. goes in and out it said it's like floating hair so he said <laughs> they they said they love watching it just for the floating hair and whilst <laughs> you're talking i'm gonna i'm gonna find who that comment was from um here i'm right. gonna give i'm gonna give him a shout out
0: a shout but, a shout out, give him a shout a shout out. out. oh he's um,
1: shatty um, yeah. right go on so we're talking we've got a new leader so what are your thoughts on What's going to happen to the UK? Stability, raising money rates, those sort of things, because, um, you know, there was a huge furore with list trust. It
0: it is. Absolutely. There was. I mean, he's Rishi Sunak. He's very well connected with the money markets. He's uh, he's their man, very much so. He's their guy. Um, He's got uh, a father-in-law who's the Steve Jobs of India and one of uh, the richest men there, worth $3.2 I think, who owns a minority stake in the company, Infosys. And Infosys, interestingly, is probably going to feature a bit more. I see their share price is already rising um, in the last uh, month or so. It's not reached the dizzy heights of 20, but it's at 18, I think. It has been at 20 before. It's at 18 now. Um, So it'll be interesting to see where that goes because I've, I've Crystal ball, crystal ball. Will Infosys gets more work in the UK? Oh, I think it might. I think it might. Why not? Because he does take advice from his father-in-law. He says he gets lots of advice. He's a good man to go to and ask for uh, advice and guidance. And Why not? Um, <clears throat> but the the sort of scary thing, and we touched on this in an earlier episode when we talked about CBDCs, which is Central Bank Digital Currency. Now, if you haven't heard that episode um, then have a look through our back catalogue. It's only a few episodes back. I should have had the number here, but I don't. Um, But it's clearly marked. So CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency. Um, We know that Rishi is very much in favour of this. There is, and I'm sure you'll be able to find it, uh, an HM Treasury video recording of Rishi Sunak extolling the virtues of CBDCs and how they've they're going to do a pilot program and and all this sort of carry on. So, <clears throat> central bank digital currencies have many features, and most of those features are um, are very very uh, of of great interest to the government. Shall we say, um, or the government of the day, great interest to governing a a country. They they will they will sell the benefits <clears throat> to us as being. Um, you know, in our best interests and something that we really ought to adopt. But I think take up will be slow until there will be some kind of crisis, crises, which will mean that we have to go down that route. Um, So it will start trickling in to let people get used to it. It will probably be benefits. People are on benefits first because they won't have any choice. They'll be told that they're going to be paid in central bank digital currency, um, there won't be much of a change to them. They'll get a card. The card will say, here's your here's your CBDCs. The currency happens to be the UK pound, whatever it is. But you'll probably not be able to withdraw cash from uh, a machine with it. You will be able to spend it on certain things, but there'll be other things that you won't be allowed to spend it on because they'll have full control over it. Um, so that's going to be the pilot project, which we know is going to come in. There's going to be different phases. And again, we did talk about it in depth on our previous podcast. I'm not going to go into it in here, but it will be gradually phased in. Um, and I think that now that Rishi Sunak is in place, which was part of the plan all along, um, it was interesting how uh, he was not voted in by the members because the vast majority of members seemed to see that he was the one that had stabbed Boris in the back. He was the one that took the picture um, and lots of comments about, about how no one could vote for someone. Uh, uh, the word snake was used. Um, I can't possibly comment, but uh, it, it, they felt that he was somehow responsible for that. And, and Boris, whether you like him or loathe him, was responsible for getting an 80 seat majority On the back of uh, his uh, manifesto or the manifesto at the time. So, the manifesto of the time was the Conservative Party manifesto fronted by Boris Johnson. There's now going to be a new manifesto, I'm sure, fronted by Rishi Sunak. And that should mean that they should go to the polls and get another mandate. But are they going to do that? My suspicion is no, absolutely not. They won't do it. They've got an 80 seat majority, which means they can get a lot of things through. They can get a lot of things done in the next couple of years. And if a week's a long time in politics, two years is a long time in politics, people's memories will have completely changed. Depending on where we are uh, financially and what we've come through, um, voting will be completely different. The reason the Labour Party and all the others are screaming for an election now is because obviously the polls are heavily in their favour. But they've always been that way. Whenever a government gets in, they get in popular, they then become incredibly unpopular by doing stuff and breaking promises and all the rest of it. And then markets go against them or interest rates or whatever. And then they become hugely popular again. So they're not going to break that trend. And if we look at Boris Johnson, okay, he had to had to sort out Brexit, but um, mm-hmm. he got hit by a couple of tsunamis. Um, you know, the main, the main one being uh, the lockdowns and having to deal with the lockdowns and all the rest of it. Then the war in Ukraine, another one. Um, so, you know, he's had a, an awful lot to deal with, which is taking his eye off the ball. Um, I'm by no means a supporter of of any politician, because I think they're all cut from the same cloth. I think politicians are all uh, puppets in a show. Absolutely. They're given scripts to read. I don't think for one minute that Liz, Liz Truss, um, you know, had much leeway. I think she was probably pushed into this. It looks like it anyway. Um, it looks like they were pushed into that. Uh, uh, I mean, right, how, right. It's interesting, I, mean, I was just going to say how Rishi Sunak has not been voted in by the members. It was the, the, the parliamentary party, the Conservative parliamentary party that voted them in in the same way they wanted Rishi Sunak first time round. They didn't get their way, so they weren't going to go back to uh, the members and give them a, a, a say. And I thought it, it was quite interesting that Boris flew back from the Dominican Republic in economy class, tick, but he was booed, going on to the plane. Uh, I didn't see any uh, video or anything like that, but people said he was booed going on to the plane. It's interesting how the press report that. And also it was interesting how the BBC, uh, their reporter was full of glee when she noted, reported that he dropped out of the race. Boris is out, hooray! I thought they were meant to be impartial. I uh, think, well, that's I up think, for a
1: review, is that?
0: I think we're all being played by um, but whatever's going on. We're all being played. Uh, there's six men in the country that control the media, and I think if they get together, they can decide whatever goes on, how what stories are going to be fed. I do, I think it's all, as somebody once said about politicians, they're all cheeks of the same arse, and I think they are, and it doesn't matter who gets in. There, there's an agenda, there's a formula, and we're going to go down this route no matter what, and I think central bank digital currency is merely the start of the whole social credits thing, which unfortunately is being tested out in China it's been tested out in other countries it's being start of it, it's being tested out here in Wales and other parts of the country so um as you can tell I'm not a fan of cbdcs but they're going to come in i think quicker
1: now yeah that's my take interesting um i mean i was watching uh, star wars rogue one and uh, uh the other day and they talk about credits uh you know as the currency and you know i was I was thinking, you know, if, if they start issuing you with the imperial credits, oh, my goodness me. <clears throat> <laughs> what you, we, we've had it. Uh, but anyway, Ray, this is this is um really interesting, I think, because when we're looking at the future, how to raise money at the moment, obviously, um, the mortgage rate instability, I think, personally I agree. Um I've only heard one person, and it was Laura koonsberg briefly mention um to um whatever he's called, uh the Chancellor Hunt. Um <laughs> yeah, what's it
0: called? Who's the Chancellor these days? Yeah.
1: Hunt, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And and she sort of said to him um yeah are you um are you being dictated to by the markets? and obviously he was very diplomatic and didn't really mention it and and said, there is no way that a government should try and dictate, you know, how a market should be, you know, try and influence a market or anything like that. What you've got to do is, is do stuff that the market approves of. Mm. Um, and which I thought was a neat way of saying it, but that's the only time anyone has mentioned whether the markets have actually played a role in pushing and pulling government policy. And I think it's, you know, clearly more to it than uh, anyone is giving it credit for because the BBC, it just constantly says you're living in a crisis, you should panic, the sky's falling in, um <laughs> you, you should do all these things. So they are whipping up a frenzy of people. And for me, the only thing I would say is, right, everybody, just take a step back, calm down, and let's think about things and let's work through things logically here uh, but there doesn't seem to be any of that because the media is looking for, you know, a new news story every six hours, six to eight hours. They're wanting mm-hmm. three or four breaking news stories every day for their channels. And they're, they're. I think they're driving an agenda. I think the markets were pushing things. And I see it as mm-hmm. um, we, we've spoken about this uh, when we had. Um, was it uh, Mike Frisbee? no dominic frisbee dominic Dominic, frisbee dominic frisbee yeah Uh, dominic frisbee on and we were talking about his book uh history of tax daylight Mm -hmm. robbery Mm -hmm. and he very observantly said that every time you need to to have a tax rise you've got to declare there's a crisis and obviously wars are a great one of doing way of doing it well what have we got at the moment we've got one what else inflation interest rates you know climate crisis yeah, everything going against us, et cetera, et cetera. So we are sowing the seeds of being able to raise taxes and do this thing. Uh, when Liz Trust came in, she said, I'm gonna do this, 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 and this. And everyone went, Oh, okay. She gets elected. She stands up and says, Right, now I'm doing it. And everyone went, Whoa, 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 we didn't hold hold your bloody horses, woman. <laughs> we didn't think you meant it. um, but then everyone in the, in the background sort of goes, right, this is perfect because we can now say there's instability crisis. They don't know what they're doing, et cetera, et cetera. This gives us an opportunity. And I think the opportunity is always there when it comes to a market. If there's a drop of blood in the water, they're like sharks smell it from miles Mm -hmm. off and they come in for the kill. And the kill is, let's take a position that makes a huge chunk of money. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that all of these things were driven by opportunity, uh, for, for various institutions to make money on positions that they take. We suffer because, you know, they, they tend to be able to put things through. We're going to put interest rates up. We're going to do this. And they tend to do it a little bit, you know, stronger than maybe necessarily they need to do it because they see it as a chance to. You know, they've got a cohort of people. They'll know exactly who's coming off a fixed rate mortgage. They'll know exactly how many people are coming back into the market who need to do it. And they'll be going, perfect. We'll hoover up these people, much higher rate, jobs are good. and So th- there's all these shenanigans going on, I think, in, in the background. And and this is where I think you need to just take a moment, folks, take a moment We've spoken about the economic clock. We've spoken about where we might be in the cycle. We've spoken Mm -hmm. about how markets react. They love, you know, money loves speed. So if you get massive variations quickly, money loves it, and it sloshes about and flows to the various situations. So just take a a breather. If you're thinking to yourself, right, okay, what can I do? Just take a breather. Let things settle down. And Laura Koonsberg had a graph. And she was having a go at Jeremy Hunt and saying, look at this. <clears throat> and the graph was bumping along nice and flat. And then it was on an upward trend as, you know, Ukraine kicked in, cost of living, inflation, various things started coming in. And these are world things. This is not unique to Britain. If you, if you go across the channel, all of a sudden... It isn't sweetness and light and people handing you bunches of roses and and things like that and wishing you a lovely day. Here's a baguette with some uh, very nice soft cheese or anything. You know, there's none of that. Everyone's in the same position. Japan's having a shocker uh, and has done Germany. Germany. Yeah, well, Japan's had a shocker for about 40 years, folks. Have (laughs) a look at that. They've had basically deflation. Uh, for donkey's years, and they can't shake it off. Germany, I think, and other European countries are going to have a shocker with the energy through the winter. Because- well, there's a large number of
0: of German companies that have been around for a hundred years that have recently gone into liquidation in the last couple of weeks, and they, yeah. they've got you know their inflation is over ten percent. Mm-hmm. Their unemployment rate is extremely high. They're making more people unemployed. Their balance of payments is shot to bits. You know, when you if you look at that, I saw somebody had posted, uh, you know. Seven or eight things that happened, and it looked as if they
1: were hinting that this was UK, and then it said, Actually, it's Germany. (laughs) Exactly, you know, they're going to really struggle. They've got a lot of heavy industry, a lot of manufacturing, which is energy intensive, a lot of chemical industries, very energy intensive. So, they're going to really struggle. And if here's the thing if Putin had waited till next year, Germany would have. Um, switched on was it Nord Stream 2 or whatever yeah and they would have been probably 90 percent dependent on on them uh so it folks I think now is the time to just take a breather if you you should one of the things that they always talk about is resilience to shocks resilience to economic ups and downs and This is something that um, society doesn't tend to build in is any resilience. So we very quickly run out of our savings. Hey, I'm probably in the same boat. You know, if, if everything went, you know, to hell in a handbag or whatever the phrase is, um, you know, you run out of money very quickly and the situation Mm -hmm. becomes a very dire, very quickly. But for me, I, I would love to see people sort of standing up and saying, right. Okay. I, I tell you the Kennedy one every time ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. I, I think there is a, a a lack of collective sort of support. There are pockets of it, of people trying to help out and, and doing things. But it's, you know, it, it's the wrong way around. The BBC has told and everyone else, I feel at the moment they've they've almost sowed this story that there is nothing you can do, folks and you're doomed you you need to knock on the door of the government and say how are you going to help me and we're we're just creating a generation of people who are turning around saying when's the government going to help me Mm -hmm. and and it's a case of okay folks we need to learn some you know techniques to help yourself you know how can we do that how can we do that um and it's it's a tricky situation, but I think we've just got to, if you can, if you, you're in a wonderful position of being able to just take a moment, take a pause, let things settle down because that Laura Koonsberg graph, as it trended up, it had a huge spike up and then a huge drop back down and it dropped straight onto the trend line. And Laura Koonsberg was trying to make out that the entire upward shift of the graph was as a result of list trust. Mm. And you know, the number of times people on TV, and probably me on this podcast, where the the phrase should be better to keep your mouth shut and be thought a fool than open it and remove the doubt. Hmm. <laughs> and the number of times that uh, you know, people on uh these political programs open their mouth and you just think, yep, tick, fool. Um, yep. displaying what one could only describe as a fundamental a fundamental lack of understanding. Um you know, we're in a, a strange situation. So I would advocate just, if you can, just wait for all this hullabaloo uh, to uh, to calm down a little bit. Yes, we know the the way the trend is going. We know the way the line is going. But if you can avoid doing crazy things. So when the energy price rocketed, tripled or whatever, we were getting phone calls all the time at work saying, do you want to lock in? Mm-hmm. And it was like, uh, no. No. No, I don't actually. We are locked in to a much lower rate. Yeah, but it could go even higher, so why not lock into this one? I said no because it's three times what we're paying at the moment. And yeah. and yet people do, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. You know, mortgage well, rates are a disaster. Yeah. So they go out and lock in to the first one they find. Um, and yeah. you know Well,
0: it's interesting, the long-term rates. You can get long-term rates at 5% for you can get 5% for 7 years. Yeah, or um, 10 Look at your
1: five 10 year rate. Look at your ten year, for rate. A 10
0: year rate. Yeah, you can lock yeah. in on these things. They're still available. Um, but what's interesting, the, the, the gas, oil panic, and all the rest of it, the prices have now all come down. They've come down because they're going to say we're going to be into a much milder winter. A lot more fuel has been stockpiled than they expected. And therefore, there's less demand and less, um, which, you, which is not going to drive the price. But to, to talk back earlier on about that BBC um, person, um, Martine Croxall, her name was who was oh, filled, yeah, yeah, yeah. Filled, filled with glee that Boris Johnson was, and she's been suspended. But interestingly, yeah. just not even a week ago on Channel 4, Krishnan Guru Murthy, who was the, the anchor there, was taken off the air uh, by Channel 4 because he, he was in, insulted a a minister. Now, the thing is, not that they've made the insult or that she's been gleeful, but the culture and the background that allows them to do that that's that's the interesting part, because they're meant to be impartial. News is meant to be impartial, but it never is. If you go onto the radio these days, they, they all have an opinion. They all have their own opinion and they're thrusting it out there, whatever that opinion happens to be. And it's not about left or right or or anything like that. It's, it's you know, some time ago, when I listened to the radio, they would report on a story, then they would bring in two experts and they would say, OK, we've got the expert here who agrees with the position, an expert over here who disagrees with the position. And then they would just sit back and act as referee. They never gave their opinion. But now they only seem to bring on one person to talk about it. And and that one person usually supports whatever their position is. Um, and I find that... Um, a bit distasteful i want to see you know proper debate i don't want to see debates shut down and it doesn't matter what it is you know whatever they're talking about and there's a whole host of things on at the moment that people are all debating about and challenging and um, whether it's pronouns or whether it's climate or whether it's economy or whatever it is but why don't they just go back to the old time of bringing people on and and i don't mean question time because that's another thing that's rigged to the high heavens um, you know, with the number of people that are in the audience asking questions and and all the rest of it. It doesn't seem to be that anyone can be truly impartial anymore unless you go to the old, you know, if you go to hustings that are not recorded for TV purposes, then that's somewhere to go because that's when you see people really coming out with their opinions
1: and being heard. Yeah, um, unfortunately, they tend to be recorded surreptitiously and are leaked uh, yeah. at various points. Uh, I mean, I, I've seen people... Um, there was uh, some labor MPs and they were accused of being anti-Semitic and it played the video of his speech, and it was just like, Oh my goodness, that is horrific. Yeah, and they said, So what do you think about that? And he said, Oh no, I don't think I said that. Well, that's <laughs> right, yeah, I remember <laughs> it that. Yeah. I like, would just watch <laughs> you say it. No, I don't believe I said that. And it was <laughs> what the you know, and you just think, right, I'm dealing with um someone that has a uh, a, a situation that would be in a textbook um you know and taught to to students sort of thing as to the delusional nature of certain yeah. people but it here's a re- here's a real life thing the real life impact on people you see one of the things that i think we are hugely lacking in this country and i know ray in your skill stack you talk about it i i do some as well with people is um if if you if you are physically fit, you can see it. If you're physically unfit, you can see it. But if you are mentally unfit or fit, you can't see it. And this is one of the things that we don't do. And Liz Truss, whether you like her loather, that woman has been in the public spotlight under the most intense of pressure, the biggest of humiliations. You've got every man and his dog either you know very divisive but majority saying you know they've ruined she's ruined my life and all the rest of it could you honestly recommend to one of your kids to put yourself in a position like that and try and run the country or do something which ultimately i i do believe that most politicians want to do something for the collective good all right they will benefit from it as well but you know for the collective good but you know the The pressure and the mental health, you know, angle of it is completely forgotten on these things. And, you know, I do think that uh, the media have a huge responsibility in terms of they set people up, um, you know, they raise them up onto a pedestal and then they love to shoot them down. And Mm. I think what they struggled to do with Boris was the fact that he basically went, you know, and I think this is why people potentially like him um when you wouldn't have thought that was possible, is because he makes mistakes. He does things. He might be greedy. He might be pig-headed. He might do it for a friend or whatever, just like the vast majority of us. And the fact that he kind of copes with it, um, I, I think is really quite remarkable. <laughs> Other people, though, you have no idea. We have no idea what effect what's gone on is going to have on quasi quartang Um Liz Trusts or anything like that. And you just think, you know, what are we doing? What are we doing to these people? Why do we feel it's all right to, on national TV, slag someone off to that extent, when if we did it anywhere else, you would be probably reported to the police for yeah. it. I, I don't understand why, why politicians, um, you know, why they would want to put themselves in that position and well, how they think... could cope with it. But never mind the man was... in the street and the effect that it, you know, or the woman in the street, that the effect it has on <clears throat> them. You know, this is a this is a problem. This is an issue. And I think where is the message coming out that says, hang on, folks, why don't we uh, – we've got a cost of living crisis. Why don't we go through the things that you could do? So let's have a look. So, if we, Ray, if, if we sat down with some people and said, right, I'm struggling to pay bills – the first thing you would want to do is go through, okay, I'd say, where do you spend your time and where do you spend your money? Mm-hmm. You know, where does it come from and where do you spend it? And if you went through that list and said, okay, let's have a look at the time, right? Okay. We've got an idea of now the demands on your day. And you'd either look at it and and you put your head in your hands and go, my God, I don't know how you're still coping. Um, and they'd say, I'm not. And say, well, I can understand. Or you'd say, right, you've got a bit of time here. You're making some choices with your time. You could make different choices. And then with your money, um, it, it staggers me. And the stats would show that those on lower income uh, spend a disproportionately higher amount of takeaway food. Mm. So the rise of Uber Eats, Just Eat, and all the rest of it, who can get global megastars for their advertising campaigns, you know they are making a lot of money. If they can do that, and what are we doing? We're sitting at home ordering a Greg sausage roll and paying a five <laughs> quid delivery because we can't be asked to go out of their house. And you just go right, okay. If if there was such a demand on on your money, and you had to make such sensible choices, you would see McDonald's closing down. You would see Uberi drivers, you know, not delivering because nobody wants it. Hmm. But we don't. So you'd say, right, we're making some poor choices, and right it was a, it was always a case if you didn't have the money you didn't have it yeah now we don't have the money but we want it and we want someone else to pay for it and it's, yeah i think we've got to we've got to say right hang on hang on all you can control is what you can control and you can't control interest rates you can't control inflation you can't control you know how much selling someone's selling something for or, or whatever you can only do your bit and i think if we were sitting down with anyone we would go through those basics and we'd say right okay let's have a look see where your time's going and your money's going right now let's make some better choices and i and and for those people where you go you're absolutely doing everything that you possibly could you would say okay we've triaged the nation these are the people that need the support these are the people that need some help with choices and these are the people that you don't need to do it. We don't seem to do any of that, hmm. um, you know. I, and it it leaves me baffled. We don't we don't empower people. Um, we we well, try and that, make that, them entitled. And yeah, that, that that comes weird. through the,
0: through the schooling system, um, you know. And yes, there is an air of entitlement. You know, I, I've seen it. I've seen it with people. I've seen it with members of um, my own family, actually. Um, distant members of my own family, who uh, at a Christmas gathering were talking about what they were entitled to and, and knew much more about the the whole system than I ever did, uh, but but it seemed to be you know it seemed to be there to be milked seemed to be the the uh, the common theme. But I dare say, I mean, Nigel, there's a lot of people out there. They are going to have to make that decision between eating and heating coming up um, because of the costs and the way things are, are just are, are going and. And the government should quite rightly step in there it needs to be um, a safety net not a hammock was a a great phrase that i heard um and i have no no challenges or no problems at all with with a safety net that's there but it's like anything else it can be abused um sorry to mention the the nhs but that's one place that is where money is completely and utterly abused and wasted and there's just so many examples of it it's just not true um and pouring money into it is is not the solution. You know, it is absolutely not the solution. So that can be fixed. Um, there are many things that can be fixed, but it was interesting yesterday, driving my son um, back home in the car, he's 13. And he said, do we have a new prime minister? And I said, yes, we do. It's Rishi Sunak and he went, oh great. And he said to me, would you like to be prime minister? And I said, oh, just give me the chance. Yes. Oh, when I'm supreme leader, I'm going to do this, this. And he said to me, what's the first thing you would do? I said, the first thing I'd do is I'd insist car manufacturers put the petrol filling cap on both sides. Why do we have it on one side? That is absolutely stupid. We should have it on both sides. It just doesn't make any sense. And he went, that's a really good idea. And he said, what else would you do? I said, I'd build 12 nuclear power stations immediately and stop this reliance because going into the future, we're going to need so much electricity. we for, for not just now, but for the future. So we have to build about 12 of these. And he said, oh, but you can't, it takes a long time to build a, power, uh, a nuclear power station. I said, it does. I said, but that's because of planning. So I would create an enterprise zone. And in the enterprise zone, they can get the planning through, but we should bring in the best of breed. Where do, who makes the best nuclear reactors in the world? Then we ought to get them in. Same with the trains. Who runs the best trains in the world? We need to get them in. You know, instead of us trying to rely on it on ourselves, we're sitting on top of uh, trillions of pounds worth of gas and oil and all the rest of it. We should be looking at that, absolutely. We should also be looking at a lot more of the, the sustainable stuff. I agreed with you, but that's not gonna do it. It's like, it's like It's like people say we should all have electric cars. There simply isn't enough lithium in the world to replace the cars that are there. So what's the answer? The answer is there's other methods, there's hydrogen, there's other people working on things. And I think we have to go through that to get to the one that works. So it's not about saying there's not enough lithium in the world to make all these batteries. Sure, there isn't if that's the only choice, but there's not. There's other choices. Hydrogen, for example. Um, There's there's many other choices. And also, harnessing the power of the sun is getting better and better all the time because the sun sends out, I, I can't even measure it. However, you measure that megawatts of energy, it sends out so much so that comes our way that if you harness it properly, you know you can you can provide electricity for free. There, were, there was some saying back in the fifties and sixties that nuclear power was so cheap you wouldn't even need to to measure it. You wouldn't even need to have meters in people's homes because it would be so cheap. And that is the case. Now I know you were shaking your head there, and I went, you were on a podcast, but you were shaking
1: your head as if you didn't agree with that. But yeah, uh, I, yeah. Uh, I think it's the way to go. Well, and and that's why, ladies and gentlemen, Raymondo will never be in charge. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, uh, nuclear energy. Yeah, I kind of get it. The, the problem is the 60 years of cleanup. Uh, that's the cost that is never included in any of the calculations. Uh, for me, I w- I would definitely have the you know, the planning side of things. I agree, totally agree. Anyone out there that's tried to do uh, housing property and all the rest of it can be ridiculous. Uh, not long ago when it was Boris in charge, he he asked the question of a team of experts and said, how long does it take to put one of these wind turbines up? You know, and they said a day. They said, oh, that's amazing. So how long does it take from start to finish to, uh, you know, to get the site and, and do it then? And they went 10 years in a day. And, and he went, what? You said, you just told me it takes a day to put one up. Yeah, but it takes 10 years to get through planning. And that's the nuts bit about it um, mm. that you couldn't do. But no, for me, nuclear is um, it's just an issue with the the cleanup afterwards. It's There's no simple, easy way cabinet,
0: doing it. In my cabinet, um, uh, one of the things I would have there is I would have a couple of comedians in the cabinet whether it was Jimmy Carr or any of the others, I would have them in the cabinet. So when we're discussing these things, I would want to hear their point of view. Now, why? Well, you know, back in the olden days, the king had a jester. The jester's job was to take the absolute mickey out of anything that was put to the king by the barons. And it seemed like, and the jester was insulting the barons, but the king was listening to the jester because the jester was generally a very intelligent person who would pull things apart. Um, and we don't have that anymore because you can see what happens. Something is done, something comes out, it goes to the, the press and the comedians tear, the, tear to shreds and we all think it's a waste of time. And usually it's exposed to be a waste of time because they haven't thought it through, the whole unintended consequences. I think I'd also have a ministry of common sense because it seems to be that uh, uh, th- that seems to be vastly lacking. Um, there's lots of other things I would do. But I had all this you know, when, when the election came around in 2019, on Twitter, I did a thing, hashtag my manifesto. And I put loads of things out there and I got lots of replies and I I got lots of feedback and I got lots of people saying that's ridiculous. And I got others saying that would work fantastically. So um, to come to the how to raise money, how would I raise money for UK PLC? Well, create enterprise zones for a start. That's a great thing. I would have apprentices that you didn't have to pay national insurance if you took on an apprentice. In fact, apprentices should get the first couple of years... Tax-free, shouldn't pay any tax. That should be something. And then we've got corporation tax. People are talking about corporation tax is now going up to 25%. History tells us that when the tax rate goes down, the amount of money you take in tax goes up. So why on earth would they do that? What about giving incentives to companies, such as if you go to an enterprise zone and you create a business on based on, say, intellectual property, then the first five years of that should be corporation tax free to get you off the ground and up and running because that's what happens. A lot of startups once they start doing quite well they get hammered by tax um, and it, it makes it uh, it makes it untenable. So yeah, there's lots of things um, that could be done and and it just seems to me that uh, whatever I think is going to you said yes I'm never going to be. Prime Minister, of course I'm not going to be Prime Minister, because I wouldn't be stupid enough to, to to go down that route. But not only that, if, I mean, if you're going to be a politician, then um, they say that, uh, in fact, it was HL Mencken who said that a professional politician is a professionally dishonourable man, because in order to get anywhere near high office, he has to make so many compromises and submit to so many humiliations that it becomes indistinguishable from a prostitute. Now, he was saying that in the 1920s. What has changed? He also said, it's inaccurate to say that I hate everything. I'm strongly in favour of common sense, common honesty, common decency, and this makes me forever ineligible for public office. And just to touch on a point that you said, Nigel, about the BBC and about creating these dramas and things, he also said, and this was again in the 1920s, so what's changed? The whole aim of practical politics is to keep the populace alarmed and hence clamors to be led to safety by menacing it with an endless series of hobgoblins, all of them imaginary. Now, there we are. That's the 1920s. And here we are a hundred years later and nothing has changed. It's still the same, except that we're getting wise to it now. Um, But what does that wisdom bring us? Does it bring us the ability to do anything about it? Does our vote count for anything? Who knows? Most people are swayed, like I say, by the by the newspapers, by the media, and so on. Um, and if they're not swayed, then there's question marks around voting and counting and all the rest of it. So, you know, you're you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. And herein endeth the lesson. I'm going to climb off my soapbox right now. <laughs>
1: right, step aside, Butch. Um, yeah, it, it's. Do you know, Ray, i I was reminded, and you've mentioned it before, and we've spoken about this uh, before, and someone reminded me of it and said, "Um, you know, whenever you see anyone and it can be a doctor, it can be a vet, it can be a politician. it can be anyone and And I think it can also be um you know, news reporters uh, and <laughs> anyone like that when they come on." and give what appears to be an impartial opinion, they should be wearing the equivalent of a Formula One, you know, overalls, coveralls, with all the logos of all the people that they are involved with, talking to, paid by, sponsored by, doing deals with, have family relations with, because this member's book of interests that is at Parliament saying who they are, you know, talking to and all the rest of it to make sure there's no conflict of a you know of interest or anything like that. They should wear an outfit, a jacket, a, you know, some racing coveralls with all the logos of all the people that are on it, and then yeah. you can look at them and you can go, okay, now I know that you've got twelve oil and gas company logos on you. Um, you know, I, I can a- appreciate that you're going to be coming from a Let's do fracking, let's do all the rest of it type opinion, and you go fair enough um and I think then you would soon see the people that have fewer and fewer logos on them, and you would probably gravitate towards them because you're thinking, well, they don't have at the moment they don't have an interest on there, and that could be um I mean yeah it it's it's amazing when you find out um so you know i I've I, spoken about this uh, i lost uh, and i still have um i don't know about 12 kilos in weight and i did something called noom and noom is this thing that just kind of talks you through uh, mm-hmm. food your relationship with food and all the rest of it and and things but what it was saying there's a really good section in it and it has this little formula and it it's um i think uh, they use a, an acronym something like start or something And it says, whenever you are looking at, because it says you people always do this confirmation bias. So they'll go out and they'll see a report that confirms their opinion of the world. And they said, you've got to look at these things. So whenever it looked at, um, you know, a headline and the headline would be um, soft drinks is part of a, a healthy diet. And you go, a recent study showed that, uh, you know, people, 92% found that drinking soft drinks helped in their, you know, in their diet or their healthy lifestyle. And you go, right, okay, have a look at that. So it's, who's sponsoring it? It was actually sponsored when you found out by Coca-Cola. And then how, how long did it take? How many people were involved? What was the outcome? Did they do it as a proper scientific thing or was it just a general thing did they rule out all the other factors and all the rest of it and i think sometimes we've got to look at these things and say okay where's this coming from where's this coming from who's who's involved in this study i mean whenever they they put on the news an opinion poll i always disbelieve it and people said well why is that I Said because nobody asked me um you know mm-hmm. so if i wasn't involved in it there must be lots of people not involved in it I I don't believe it and Mm. opinion polls are forever shown to be you know pretty rubbish well it depends on how the
0: question is posed isn't it
1: really exactly and and this thing Mm. about let's have a look at a study so whenever you're looking so someone that favors oil and gas they'll find studies that do this but then you'll find that they're sponsored by oil and gas companies and all the rest of it um if you go to a doctor and and they're looking at some research and they say this research is amazing what you'll find is that research and they're their facility is funded by the very people who are, yeah, yeah. you know, doing it. So all these things you, you've got to look at. So you'll see. Yeah, no, see I agree with you. I agree with you about the, the logo part. And I'm going to
0: mention Kim Kardashian here, who apparently is quite well known. Um, I've never ever heard her speak. I've seen her name tottered around the place. But Kim Kardashian was recently fined one point, uh, depending where you read, either one point three million dollars or one point five million dollars. For promoting a cryptocurrency and failing to disclose that she was funded by them, now I don't understand why governments and ministers shouldn't be subject to that same ruling. You know, they're yeah, they should. Things. They should wear the logo. They should they say, should the "I've got an yeah. interest." And they say they put it into the the note of members' interests or whatever it is. But um, you know, there's so many companies and so many loopholes. When, when it, yeah,
1: whenever someone talks like that. You know, if the, if they go to a factory and they interview someone, they're wearing the logo of the factory, and you know that the opinion is probably going yeah. to be in favor of the factory. Yeah. When you see a, an MP talking, you don't have that member's interest book in front of you to see what they've listed. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, this is why the scandals come out of, you know, cash for honors, um, royal family potentially doing something, not doing something. You know, they mm-hmm. love to make a big song and dance of it. I think if you just if you just said right, you've got to actually wear it. Everything you do, if you're in public life, you've got to wear whoever is bending your ear. Yeah. Um, then you would soon find that lobbyists uh, struggled because um, it would be patently obvious who's arguing for what. So mm-hmm. there you go. Oh, well, I, don't, okay. I don't know how the hell we got onto that, but yeah, <laughs> there's a lot in there. Kim oh. I need to lie down in a darkened room with a cold flannel across my forehead. I think yeah, you know. Well, yeah, there'll be more to talk about, I'm sure. But anyway,
0: um, that <laughs> did we actually talk about how to raise money? Did I we must... actually cover anything of, of of value or use to anyone?
1: No, I, I'm going to change the title: "How to rant inanely <laughs> for an hour."
0: We'll just have to change the title of the podcast. Yeah, we'll call yeah. it something else,
1: right? Okay, I have been Ray McLennan. I'm, i think i'm still nigel t best sponsored by uh, yeah anyway let's move on um yeah good stuff right thanks folks bye
0: thank you for listening to the how See to raise money time, podcast where we it's made show for you people who want to raise, raise money, money as money. debt there or investment equity there is for money enough for everyone on, on the planet, planet. the question is who has yours